Buying off the plan is perfect for those who can visualise, want to secure a property but still have time to save more towards their home with a longer settlement and know that there is a long-term goal in place for your family's future. But it's not for everyone. Today, we will talk about the pros and cons of buying off the plan, especially for your first home. You're listening to Real Estate Right. Top experts talk about how to buy, sell, rent, and invest right. Your host is Sue Langda. Real Estate Right is your best friend when it comes to buying, selling, renting, and investing in Melbourne's real estate market. We give fantastic expert tips on how you should strategize your property decisions for a library of information. Subscribe now, download, rate, and review us so you're in the know. David Johnson is the founder and managing director of propertyplanning.com.au and the co-host of the podcast, The Property Planner Buyer and Professor.com.au. Got to take a breath for that one. <laughs> with, Kate, <laughs> with Kate Bacos and Peter Kalizos and the author of multiple books. He believes in fiercely independent advice and his company provides what he calls pure planning. Property Planning Australia is the first company in Australia to produce independent property advice without earning fees from buying or selling property, investments, insurance, or super products. It truly is independent advice. Welcome, David. How are you? I'm really well, thanks, Sue. How are you? Yeah, well, thanks. Um, Now, David, have you ever bought a property off the plan? I haven't, um, which I'm very grateful for. Yes, (laughs) It's not um, for everybody. I almost did. Yeah. No, it's not for everybody. Yeah. 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 Yes, I have. And luckily it was a small-time builder um, who was very particular. Uh, I'm not sure if I could go with the the bigger groups, but, mm. you know, understanding that they have bigger buying power, which means they can make it cheaper, but cheaper is not necessarily a good thing. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, which we'll unpack some of that in today's episode. We will. Now, what are some of the pros and cons when it comes to the actual house or dwelling? Well, look, I think one of the biggest risks with off-the-plan properties is if you just think about how does a new car depreciate? Yeah. And really the dwelling of a new building, whether it's an apartment or a new house, is depreciating as soon as it's finished being built. Um, So just like a car. So the actual cost that you're paying for, probably half of it goes into the intangibles. Mm. So not the actual structure. You're paying for the builder. You're paying for the skilled labour. You're paying for the developer. Um, You're paying their profit. You're paying the salesperson who sells the property. Mm. So then you've just got the structure left. Um, And if you think, what's an oven worth the first time you've used it? Um, What's a door handle worth the moment you take it out of its packet? Yeah. These are all like tangible examples of why often new property doesn't provide capital growth outcomes Mm. um, in the same way established property does, which has already gone through its depreciation phase. Yeah, fair enough. Mm. So... How about some of the pros and cons when it comes to time and timing? Um, I suppose um, with time and timing, um, 
you just need to be wary of how the sunset clause on the um, property build yes. um, because they often can drag out and take longer than um, you expect them to take. Mm. So, you know, we've had, you know, many times over the last 20 years where someone's bought a property and expected it to be finished within six or nine months and it's taken 18 months or yeah. two and a half years. Um, and their goals for the, where they want to live and their personal life circumstances have changed mm. and it no longer suits to potentially live in that property. Mm. Um, so, you know, yeah, so you also need to just be conscious of how your financial circumstances might change between buying the property and it's settling. Yeah. Um, yeah, so there's a, there's a whole, there's a lot of things you need to factor in. There's a lot of, lot more risks because of that time difference between when you buy and when you settle. Yes, yeah, mm. and they can add a couple of extra fees in sometimes, can't they, when in that time because, you know, obviously inflation's gone up or, or something's happened that's costing a little bit more and and then you decide that you want to have the, the better quality bench top versus what they had on offer and all those little yep. things that add up because... Yeah, that add up, yeah, yeah. that you, you want to change. But also the developer can change too. Yeah. Um, you know, so developers have a margin for what they can change during the mm. build. Um, and I think, we, I think we had one purchasing off the plan in Adelaide mm. and it was... Initially, I think he was purchasing a brick um, property and then it ended up being weatherboard, oh, for wow. example. <laughs> Don't expect I think that. there might have been one. Yeah, had one less bedroom. Um, yeah, so they just, I think they've usually got sort of a allow for um, adjustments of around 5%. Yeah. Um, but that can make a big difference, particularly if you're buying an apartment. Yeah. Definitely. I've, I've actually written up a lot of apartments for one particular developer in the last, oh, well, when we were allowed to go out and write things up again, that was back in June. I think I wrote yeah. about 10 of the apartments within about a week of this particular developer and all over the place, Elwood, mm-hmm. Ormond, Bentley, um, Armadale, like all different ones. A lot of people just started selling up because the the service wasn't there anymore after the after sales service that they were getting prior for the common property of these apartments Mm. just wasn't happening which uh yeah interesting to see yeah 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 there's a lot of sort of tough stories like that really um and so you know yeah it's one thing it's a great example of looking into the actual um developer or company who you're buying from Mm. how long have they been around you know what are some of the previous builds they've done um look at their business um reporting any business reporting that's happening with them like i'm sure financial review or or do do google search with their news sector of it just to see where they're at with things Yeah, yeah 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 really good tip yeah. Now, um, how about the pros and cons when it comes to the contract? Uh, now, I had a listener tell me about they put a holding deposit on a property and it was out in oh, outskirts, essentially country Victoria, but it was on the outskirts of Metro Melbourne. Um, 
the holding deposit ended up uh, anyway, so young couple, fiance, you know, about to get married, all lots of stuff, starting to choose paint colors and, and curtains and all lots of stuff because they were so excited about their home and they mm. got, went to their mortgage lender and the loan couldn't go through because the property was actually declared to be indigenous land and the developer wasn't allowed to sell it. Really? Yeah, mortified, <laughs> absolutely mortified that it got that far that they were able to put, you know, sales uh, agents on it to try and sell it off. Yeah. Um, just because you've got a sales contract in your hand and you've signed it and you've put down a deposit, it doesn't mean anything. No. Well, look, a holding deposit is in reality, yeah, an expression of interest. Yeah. Um, and most people don't know this. That, yeah. So an agent can actually take as many holding deposits as they like on one property. Wow. Um, and yeah, it's almost immoral, isn't it? It is. Yeah. 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 So um, look, I'm conscious. You know, there's a, the thing is, there's just more risks with buying off the plan. Mm. Um, we need developers. You know, it's really important to our economy. Um, yeah. It creates jobs. There are a lot of risks for them, but so you tend to get bigger risk takers who build properties and are developers. Yeah. And bigger risk takers obviously take more risks. Mm. And sometimes it is, you know, at the expense of, at times, um, the potential buyers. So, yeah, I mean, they're two really scary <laughs> examples. Yeah. Yeah. Of what can happen. Yeah. Mm. yeah. yeah. Like it's, it's obviously a very rare situation that mm. but at the same time it happens so the further out you go beyond the outskirts of metro melbourne um if they haven't started i suppose if they haven't started the infrastructure like the roads making the roads and putting down the lights and all that stuff you should probably not look at vast areas of vacant land um yeah. which they're talking about like they've they may have put the the flags out to show where the the land sta- you know to divide the land spaces up but if they haven't actually started the infrastructure to make you know to to get the sewerage in or all that sort of stuff avoid it essentially i would i would suggest and if you do put a holding deposit down yeah. just understand you're not guaranteed to buy the property and if it's such you know rudimentary stage of the build yeah. Um, probably don't go out and pick um, the colours um, <laughs> of the paint, the, well, paint and um, <laughs> yeah, just uh, yeah. get your own paint dry, so to yes. speak. With your yeah. planning. Yeah. yeah. Oh, look, I just felt sorry for this guy. He just, you know, it, it was just absolutely mortified about the whole situation. So, yeah. So, in terms of uh, value for money, what are the pros and cons when buying off the plan? Are there any hidden costs? Yeah, look, uh, often um, developers will tell you they're giving you money back um, off the purchase price, but they're not really. Um, (laughs) They're actually just selling you the property at a higher value um, than it's actually worth in reality. Mm. Um, So they'll use incentives to get you to purchase. Now, one of the things I'll try and do is make sure the purchase price is consistent. Mm. Um, so if someone's paid 480000 and then most people only pay, would be paying 460 
well, they might tell you they'll give you $20,000 back because they want to be able to show everyone that everyone's paying 480000 Yeah. To justify that price. Um, yes. So, yeah, there's just, it's, it's much harder to get data um, mm. on new property than it is on established property. Um, so because yeah. of those blue poles that they're creating. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. they don't have to provide their, their sale prices to, you know, core logic, for example, or no. someone. So, um, it's really hard to gauge at true value where true value lies for true property. Cause it's the first time it's ever sold. And it's, mm. you know, why you often find that the second sale, um, you know, is lower than the first sale. And there's also many reasons for that too. So if you think about it, if you're buying a medium to high density apartment in the CBD or house and land package on the outskirts of a city or regional town, like it's some, usually in those places, there's heaps more room in the sky for apartments. Yes. um, Or there's heaps more land available for future house and land packages. So what happens is once, you know, everyone's moved into that, apartment building or or that house and land area yeah. while well, the new ones go up and if it's three years down the track or one year or seven years what do you think people want to buy do they want to buy a nice new shiny yeah. um property or apartment or the one that's three years five dated the lift's not working yeah. you know it's not their own style and these are other factors that repress the capital growth and so if capital mm-hmm. growth is a focus of yours mm-hmm. um you know, these are just other reasons why often new property of the planned property doesn't have the same capital growth. Not saying all the time, but, yeah, but it's, it's higher risk. Yeah yeah. 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 It's interesting, isn't it? You know, when you see a developer and they have stage one, stage two, stage three, if you were to buy off the plan, where, where's the lower risk, I guess, in those stages? <sighs> Look, often um, stage one may have the better um, positioning yes so you know You'll but then you ma- use, or you know if you yeah <laughs> yeah if you're yeah. in the apartment or you might yes. get the easier access to the golf course or yeah, all that sort of stuff um yeah all that sort of thing so yeah I, I i don't have a firm view on whether it'd be better to have stage one or stage three three or yeah. or but um yeah, probably general, generally speaking, the stage one are pro- is probably going to be the best located. Yeah. Um, so they can try and get the best prices mm. to begin with to set the bar for the later properties. Yeah. And then I guess with stage three, you probably have less risk on the fact that they've actually been able to sell and start developing and put the infrastructure in. Yeah, yeah, and, I suppose you know, from that And you know it's going ahead. Yeah. It's going ahead, yeah, yeah. 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 So... I mean, it's a pretty small percentage that don't go ahead. We've obviously shared a couple horror stories, yeah. but um, <laughs> yeah, it certainly it certainly is less risk that it would. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we will have a short break and come back with more from David Johnson from Property Planning Australia when we will talk about the long term pros and cons of buying off the plan. You're listening to Real Estate Right. I'm Sue Langada and I'm on today with David Johnson from Property Planning Australia. So, David, what are some of the pros and cons when it comes to, say, capital growth? 
um, we've touched on it a little bit, but say I was to buy a house for say $450,000 in a, a suburb, which there's proposed school happening in 2025. The closest Woolies is, you know, five Ks away. Bus routes are avoiding the actual <laughs> estate, but yes, you know what I mean? <laughs> They're going yeah. around yeah. and takes yeah. you know, 20 minutes to get to the, closest bus stop. Are we going to get much capital growth from something like that? Well, there's a whole number of reasons there for why, um, you know, new or not yet built infrastructure actually often is not available for where new estates Mm -hmm. are being built. So it's just another reason why capital growth prospects tend to Mm -hmm. be limited. So, and I'll, I'll also explain it in another way, I think we call land to asset ratio. Okay. So we've written up some information on this, but So if you think about a property is made up of the land and then the dwelling. Yeah. And each have their own standalone value. Yes. Okay. And so um, if you think about a house and land, um, in um, like investment grade properties, we look for around 70% of the overall value of the property made up of the land component. So that means if a property is worth a million dollars, the land itself is worth 700 Mm -hmm. and the dwellings may be about 300. Now, often with house and land packages or um, new apartments, the notional or the land value is only 10 to 25%. Oh, wow. It's a big difference. Yeah, huge difference. And it's a land that goes up in value and dwellings are going backwards in value or staying pretty stagnant. so, yeah, so land to asset ratio is is a good example of why with new property, you're paying a premium for the dwelling. Yeah. The shiny bit that's going backwards. Yes. In value, like a new car. Yes. Um, <laughs> or a new handbag. Yes. Or... <laughs> whatever, whatever floats uh, your boat. <laughs> whatever floats your boat, a new boat. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. And so the land to asset ratio is usually a lot lower in new properties as well, which is another way to understand why the capital growth prospects tend to be more restricted. Mm. Um, but you can get better yield, better rental returns. Mm-hmm. But again, the rental returns tend to come down over time because the property isn't as shiny as new, yeah. and new mm. as it was at the start. And so you've um, got to put money you, into making your capital pro- your asset worthwhile living in for your investors yeah. so yeah it's a vicious yeah. circle isn't it it is it is you do get more depreciation yeah but remember depreciation is giving someone a dollar to get 30 or 40 cents back yeah um depending on your tax bracket and again the depreciation reduces each year too yeah so um you can get caught up in how good the cash flow looks in year one but at, in reality the cash flow gets poorer and poorer as well as each year goes on too with new properties. So there's, yeah. Yes. So how about the holding costs? Obviously you put down a holding deposit. The land is, I suppose, it's vacant block. Then you've got to pay different stages like your um, slab foundations and stuff um, through your construction. What other holding costs would we we have to deal with? Yeah, look, when they're new properties, the holding costs aren't too much. You do get a reduction on the stamp duty if you're a first-time buyer, but even if you're not because the notional land value um, is less because the dwelling hasn't been built. Mm. Um, So, 
Yeah, then you've you've got to fund it in stages. If it's a house, generally, yeah. um, generally there's five stages. Yeah. Whereas with an apartment um, or a townhouse, it's generally just paying on settlement. Yeah, as yeah. it goes. Um, mm. Going back to that point where we said that you have a holding deposit is essentially expressions of interest. Yeah. Who chooses who gets the property in the end? Um, if say three or four people have put a holding deposit on that particular land, um, is it determined via who's going to pay a bigger deposit, bigger asking price at the end? Is probably. It, yeah, <laughs> probably. When do you actually sign that contract of sale? I guess because you would have signed it something with the holding deposit, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah, but. Yeah, holding deposit, yeah, as we've touched on, yeah. is not an actual um, signing for the purchase. So, yeah, um, yeah look, the vet, the person selling the property will decide who buys it. Mm. Um, so whoever owns the property, um, so probably developer, builder, mm. um, and if they can manage to get multiple holding deposits on the same property or across a number of properties, yeah, um, you know, if it's one property, then they'll give it probably to whoever yeah, is willing to pay the highest price. Mm. So do you get your holding yeah. deposit back if you're not the lucky purchaser? Yes. Yeah. Okay. They, they legally have to get it back. Yeah. Thank you so much, David, for another great episode. Um, I think we really need to use our due diligence to ensure that all the boxes are ticked before proceeding to sign a contract for a property off the plan. So, David, do you have any special offers for our Real Estate Right listeners? Yeah, uh, your list, real estate right listeners, Sue, can go to our website and uh, propertyplanning.com.au and uh, get a free download of my ebook, How to Succeed with Property to Create Your Ideal Lifestyle. Perfect. Um, now, thanks again. Property Planning Australia's details will be on our show notes as well as David's podcast called The Property Planner Buyer and Professor.com.au which I still stumble over. It's a long, yeah. a long word. What do you put it all together? Yeah, it sure is. <laughs> yeah. Um, so next week we have Frank Perry from townplanning.com.au to talk to us about land titles and what we need to know about reading the important document. So thanks again. Real Estate Right is a real copyright production hosted, written and produced by me, Sue Langada. I would like to thank Podbean for hosting our podcast, Premium Beat for our theme music, Francis Morello from Morello Auctions for our intro, and Zoom for our video link. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review Real Estate Right on your favourite podcast platform. And if you would like to ask one of our experts a question on the podcast, email your questions to sue at realestateright.com.au. Thanks for listening to Real Estate Right. You're my